Welcome to another Pint with Shawnee B. What a difference two weeks makes in podcasting. The last time you may have joined us, well, we were ironically kind of half-jokingly calling it the coronavirus episode. We're recording this over two weeks later on Friday the 13th of March. And the world has moved into Armageddon stage, which of course is Australia for Armageddon anyway. With me I have the Don. Harry, happy pandemic. Happy pandemic. Well, did you see that coming? I did, yeah. That's why I started stockpiling the gin. Friday the 13th, how fucking ominous. Mm. Today is the first day where I homeschool my children. Indeed, so you're, the, the, the silver line to that is your kids are really going to be better educated than they, they would have hoped. They sure as shit will. They thought they were on their holly box. No, chicken, no, sit the fuck down. Now, the good news is at School Duran, because they usually go to School Carmel, School Trata, School Duran. Those the of uniforms. you don't know, the Don, her oh, sorry. actual real name is Duran. <laughs> My actual name is Duran. Inside baseball there. Yeah, which means sadness. Um. Thanks, Ma. Um, yeah, so at school, Duran, the uniforms are onesies. So that's a plus so far. But they will be better educated. The school's all closed down today in Ireland. Uh, everything's on sort of lockdown. Interestingly, Great Britain and Ireland have two contrasting approaches to oh, coronavirus. Oh, what a surprise. Boris Johnson and his uh, team appear to be saying the best way to handle the virus is to fucking let everyone get it and herd mentality. <laughs> they, which... they figure if they get 60% of the population get it, there'll be herd immunity. Hmm. First of all, 60% is not good enough. The death toll still, I think they worked it out, best case scenario would be between 350,000 and 400,000 people. It's not the bleeding heart of every government. The reason people, like today, just to be clear, so all schools, crashes, colleges... They're all shut down because children are the carriers. They don't tend to be symptomatic. They don't, so they're, they're not really at risk. They're the vectors. If they're Bastards, not, another reason not to I know, yeah, they're full of germs. But so if they're not congregating, that really helps to stop the spread. The thing is that the health service only has so many beds. 255 ICU beds in Ireland, I think. Is that all? Yeah. Um, America only has a million hospital beds for 350 million people. We come to Donald Trump. After we oh, we'll get this. there. Yeah. We'll get there. But so the thing is, most people that contract coronavirus will be fine. When I say fine, they might be sick as dogs, but they're going to be okay. Those who are at risk. The figures change, and by the time this goes out, it might have changed again. But there's a huge amount of people that will need to be hospitalised, and what they need to be hospitalised for would be ICU stuff. It's stuff like being on ventilators, but those things shouldn't be overly frightening. That should be it's fine. Somebody will be fine. Problem is, there is only so many ICU beds, and we're already massively overstretched because the HSE, which is the Irish Health Service, is creaking at the seams. Yeah, and has anyway. been for decades. Yeah. I, I had to laugh at there was an Australian reporter in Italy a couple of days ago and saying there were people on trolleys. <laughs> what? Oh, to have a trolley. <laughs> oh, to have a trolley. When I was 15, I got bumped up to a trolley. I was a full day on a chair. I was on a trolley in a corridor for a solid week having consultants come around to me. And I was quite high risk at the time. So that was then. It's only gotten worse. Oh, no, people be on trolleys. But realistically, if you've got a pandemic, that is quite scary. So there seems to be two different schools because uh, in Be- Belgium and Holland, also neighbouring countries, both of whom are in the EU, are also, I think Holland is going the British route of letting everyone catch it and hope they develop immunity. We're telling this story on the day that I think the first, I think it's from Japan, where the first person has caught it again. Yeah. That guy should go out and buy himself a lottery ticket. Um, or a woman well, so there's also debate, aside from the idea of whether that's, whether it's a good idea or not to think the herd immunity thing, there's also the matter that there, there's 
huge divide over whether you become immune to it. Yeah. Which, as for your point, someone's just caught it again. Or whatever strain comes out next year, if it will be the same one. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not funny now. I mean, it's, it, the, the, the whole thing has escalated in five days to, like, global pandemonium. We're on the last day of Cheltenham today. God knows how Cheltenham was allowed to proceed. Ridiculous. But everything now is shut down. The Premier League football is shut down. All Irish sports are shut down. American sports. The world is going into hibernation. The pubs are not shut down. The pubs are not shut, shut down. They're talking about... Uh, what's the word they use? Distance or... Uh, social distancing. Social distancing. There's all these new words coming. We're in the delay phase, apparently. Delay phase in Ireland means... Our hospitals are fucked and haven't got the capacity to take a huge amount of people. And I would say the NHS in Britain is slightly better prepared than we are in that regard. But uh, it's kind of, it's a spooky, weird thing. Mayhem in the groceries and supermarkets. Panic buying. Panic buying. So the first thing was the toilet paper, which... That seemed to come from Australia. That was from Australia. That was yeah. the Daily Mail in Australia. And I think it was... My other country. What the fuck I know. was going on? Jesus, Australia. I'm just shitheads. <laughs> but yeah, so the toilet paper thing happened and uh, stocking up on passed it. Now you understand people saying, well, I might get a few more bits of like non-perishables into the house in case we're not well. That's fine. I get that. I'm not going to demonize that. But I went to Aldi and there was no toilet paper to be had. The particular Aldi I'm near had gotten in shitloads of it and they had it on all the special offer rails which just buy it, hurry, get it while it's there. And trolley's full of that and pasta. And there was no pasta left on the shelves. Piss all toilet paper left. But nobody went to the wine aisle. And that's what I was thinking because I tend to think ahead. We'll still have Tesco deliveries. When people stop losing their shit, forgive the pun, we'll have toilet paper again. By Friday, the schools could be shut down. If not Friday, the following Monday. But the schools could be shut down. And I thought to myself, what will all the mammies do when they find that out? They'll be racing out to get the wine. And then they'll get Sav Blanc. The, they'll get, well, you see, there's a particular Sav Blanc I like, which is the Aldi dupe for it's Freeman's Bay. It's been on the show which before. Is, it has been. It features often. It's Freeman's What's Bay. What's our drink today, by the way? Oh, our drink today is the Quarantini. Donna's created a Quarantini. I, tr- I have tried to taste it before we pressed record. And it tastes a little bit like... It's but, like a Black, black Forest Gatto flavoured cough medicine. My two favourite things. I'm having a, a glass of red. With a, with a side kicker of uh, vodka soda. So, uh, yeah, so you're stockpiling wine because you're now, you're now becoming a teacher of... You, you yes. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they will be educated now, thank God. Yeah. That's, good. that's good to see. There's this amazing part to this that something so tiny can bring the world to a complete standstill. At the time of our recording this, the stock markets have crashed all over the world. Lots of things that were on the agenda, like our government formation of part, climate change. But the climate change element is really intriguing. It's almost like mm. we have this etch-a-sketch moment where if we play this virus right, we can start a new way of behaving as a species, mm. which says, let's remove, let's, let's not at all be about stocks and shares and markets and profit and greed. Let's listen to what we need to do to meet the climate uh, targets and we're going to find out an awful lot about ourselves as a species yeah the greed of the panic buying has bothered me because i remember counting pennies and not being able to afford nappies and bread and i, I remember it not being once it being weekly and 
the girls in the checkout pretending they don't recognize this happens to me every week so I know that feeling of not being able to just maybe say just put a bit aside just plan ahead I know what that's like and I went in on Wednesday and Thursday and I'm conscious like pension day is Friday and not everybody had that option and you think of older people or the more vulnerable people or the people without money they don't have a car under their arse they have limited means even when things are running low people stockpile the cheap stuff that they're not going to use the cheap pastas and sauces that's some kid's dinner and that's a kid from a family who they're struggling to feed them. We do have this survival instinct and it brings out this Mayfain selfishness and I found that very hard to deal with. However, on the flip side, and this is the curriculum for the children's projects next week, which is the silver lining of coronavirus, a lot less air travel. Yeah. So, well done, Greta. Carbon emissions in China down 40%. Yeah, the carbon, I don't know if you saw the diagrams that, that have been online of the carbon emissions from November to January to February. Mm. Massive. Mm. So it's almost like Mother Nature has said, I'll stop it. If you don't give a shit about the planet, I'll stop it. With the most microscopic thing. It's yeah. Like, I've tried floods, volcanoes, tornadoes, but this is sort of shit. And then there's the socialism element. We live in a time where everything is me, my, looking after health is my diet, my yoga, what I exclude, what I do to look after myself, my vitamins. Mm. And that's a privilege because we live in a society where a lot of things have been eradicated, although they're coming back because of anti-vaxxers. But so, so we don't tend to think in community terms now. But now suddenly we have to again, which is similar to decades ago when disease was rampant. And if you lived in a nice estate, in a nice house in the outskirts of Dublin and you had money, okay, you had access to better doctors. But for certain things, there were no treatment. TB? sit in a room with light and isolate so there was a need to give a shit about poor people because when you have slums when you don't have sanitation running water when you don't have those things then disease is rampant and disease isn't going to stop and say oh sorry we come into Dublin 4 now oh we'll stop disease doesn't recognise social class or boundaries it or borders so there, there's a need to think in terms of community and to give a shit about the more vulnerable because they will spread to you you also see that in America Two weeks ago, when it wasn't that big of a thing for us, it wasn't on our doorstep. We were focusing on the American election. Like you know, we had Biden, we had well, Sanders. Well, that's happened in the last two weeks. Bernie Sanders has vanished, and now we have yeah. Joe Biden back. Well, yeah. So after Warren dropped out and Bloomberg had dropped out already, everybody was backing Biden because it was a safer choice. Because Bernie Sanders is just so far left because he thinks that people should have health care, and really extreme republicans are now suddenly saying this week like last week oh your kid has cancer oh that's a pity well come into work or starve we don't care this week oh your kid has a sniffles you stay home you should be with your child that's where you should be don't worry about it they want to bring in health care just for this so the poor people can't spread it to rich people and what is essentially an awful lot like universal basic income because poor people will come to work if they can't afford to eat then it's going to spread the disease and it's going to affect rich people so essentially the coronavirus has forced people whether they like it or not to help the environment and it's also forced people's hand to be somewhat socialist right now that's what i'm saying that right now there feels like a real tipping point that we could if we could leverage it properly i mean it's the only thing probably since man walked on the moon that is the lead story every night in every country on every radio television and newspaper in the world Mm. more than a pope dying more than no yeah Muhammad Ali more than anything. I mean, I'm trying to think, 9-11 Sorry, for yeah, a day no, or so. 9-11 but even that, happen. after a day or so, there were other things. And I have to say, I mean, I, I said in the last podcast that I've started listening to Sean Hannity 
in contrast to Rachel Maddow, Sean Hannity being the kind of bucket banger for Trump's swill. And every morning I, I, can, I can't even get through his whole show. But he's the most irresponsible broadcaster because he's, he's basically saying this is being weaponized and the, the Democrats are blaming Trump for creating the virus. And he's just filling America with fucking bullshit. At a time when, as you said, we need hmm. to gather together, like at a time when Democrat and Republican should not matter. Yeah, and it, Trump is still there, going, "I'm great. Everything's oh, everyone's against me. I'm doing the greatest thing possible." And by all accounts, America's response to the virus was about four weeks too late yeah. because Donald Trump was saying it's a miracle. It's going to go down to five cases. He behaved like an absolute dick. And like any of my American friends listening to this who are in any way Republican, how you can vote for that man? I mean, I don't give a shit about Republican Democrat. I, I like to have a guy in charge of all those nuclear weapons and that big country that should be providing hope to the rest of the world and, and did for many decades. Somebody with a brain in their head yeah. who's decent, educated, and not this fucking lunatic, this horse loose in the hospital. Yeah. Ironically, we played that last I know. Well, I mean, like, I do give a shit with Republican Democrat, I really fucking do because I find it hard to sit there and go, oh, it's okay, it's only politics. Politics is basically, your politics are how you think the world should be run. When people say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't fall out with people over politics. What the fuck else should I fall? I choose my friends over politics. I don't care if you like the same TV show as me. I care if you believe that gay people should have rights, that all children should be able to eat, all children should be able to see a doctor, everyone's entitled. I think they're really fundamental things as to whether you're going to be a person I can be friends with or not. But that aside... I, I agree with your point that there may be Republican presidents that I don't like their politics, I don't like what they're all about, but at least if they're a fucking grown-up, if we could have a grown-up in the Oval Office, that'd be great because it really is a problem. But they're talking about, I mean, the reason I say that is because the American body politic, it doesn't really matter. It, one crowd controls the House, the other controls the Senate. You know, that was part of what logjammed an offload of what Obama was trying to bring in. It's logjamming Trump now, I think for good, good mm. reasons. But even Bernie Sanders, his, his, his politics, like everyone calls him, oh, he's too left-wing, he's like Corbyn. He's yes. barely centre-left. And yet, yes, uh, Trump would have gone for him as a communist, basically. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and that would have spooked half the idiots in America. But Biden is, to me, going to get equally steamrolled as being sort of... He's gaga. Bumbling. Yeah, he's possibly got some onset dementia. And Trump's going to go for that. And so coronavirus has come in and... The economy is going to go into recession and all this bluster from Donald Trump that he's made America great again. Well, you can just see how oh, his new, that his new hat forward. is keep America great. Keep America great. But if Trump Trump's behavior on this issue alone is enough to just go, the guy's just not fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. He's well, you have to remember though is that everyone wonders why everyone's surprised that he knows as much about this stuff as he does. He mm-hmm. knows a lot. He understands this stuff, and the reason is because. His great uncle, Dr. John Trump, was the best, was like the longest serving lecturer at MIT. I, th- I think it's a record. And he was a genius, genius, really smart guy. And it must run in the family. So people are surprised that uh, like, Trump really understands this stuff. And they have it all under control. They have the best testing. Their testing is second to none. They have the best testing. They have it under control. It's really great. We are coordinating with the Chinese government and working closely together on the coronavirus outbreak in China. My administration will take all necessary steps to safeguard our citizens from this threat. Now, the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat. Because of all we've done, the risk 
to the American people remains very low. People die from the flu, and this is very unusual. And it is a little bit different, but in some ways it's easier, and in some ways it's a little bit tougher. Uh, but uh, we have it so well under control. I mean, view this the same as the flu. When somebody sneezes, I mean, I try and bail out as much as possible. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. And from our shores, we've, you know, it could get worse before it gets better. It could maybe go away. We'll see what happens. Nobody really knows. The fact is... The greatest experts have spoken to all. Nobody really knows. We're ordering a lot of supplies. We're ordering a lot of, a uh, lot of elements that, frankly, we wouldn't be ordering unless it was something like this. But we're ordering a lot of different uh, elements of medical. Now the Democrats are politicizing the coronavirus, and this is their new hoax. If you're healthy, uh, you will probably. Uh, Go through a process and, and you'll be fine. You take a, a solid flu vaccine, you don't think that would have an impact or much of an impact on corona? No. no he's asking the question, when is it going to be deployable? And that is going to be at the earliest a year to a year and a half, no matter how fast you go. Oh, that's right. And as you said, because treatment is going to be available before yeah. the vaccine. Well, I think treatment in many ways might be more exciting. If, you know, we have thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that get better just by you know sitting around and even going to work some of them go to work but they get better there you have donald trump what the hell are americans thinking about putting him back in power i predict it's going to be like this for the rest of the year hmm. do you know what though i i remember a couple of my friends like in a whatsapp group in the first week of january were like there's a bang at the end of the world about it, isn't there? Mm. Uh, loads of people were saying, you were saying, you've been saying it for ages as well. Just, and we're kind of going, is it just like, am I, do I have anxiety? There's a bit of a, there's an end of the world feel mm. going on. Fucking here it is. Maybe Jesus will come down from uh, heaven and uh, save us all again. We've been waiting 2,000 years for him to return. Maybe the time is now. Hello, Jesus. I noticed the churches, by the way, are being very quiet. <laughs> and, and, and the Irish churches, uh, oh, yes, we move very, very serious in us. Don't use the holy water font to bless yourself on the way into mass. They've suspended Communion the sign of peace. Communion needs to be taken in the hand, not in the mouth. But they're still handing around the little basket for the cash. Yeah, but that was go. last week. Now what they've done is they've dispensed that you don't need to come to mass. I don't know. They've probably asked people to set their elderly parents up with Revolut banks so they can make transactions that way. <laughs> Altar boy going around with the machine saying, would you like to tap that? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Pope Francis. Um, it's not that, not that Pope Francis was doing anything that Puppy we know wasn't. of that we know but um, anyone listening in from the church I'm sure we have an awful lot of uh, religious listeners but any any priests or, or parish priests or people from all over the world who may be involved in religion and you're advising your flock they, they no longer need to attend services and will, will still get to heaven if they don't it might be time now to look at maybe some short term initiatives by putting your churches to good use to perhaps house the homeless people that are still dotting our streets. That's the other good thing. And I will say, you know, I'm not passing comment that Sky Daddy hasn't been able to step in and sort this out. Yeah, where is God when you need him? Sure, look, that's not the point. But I will say, as I said, silver lining, and this is part of the curriculum for the children next week, Anya <laughs> galloped home yesterday. She was arriving over to me. She's like, happy pandemic, we're off. No, you're not chicken, you're homeschooled. Aw. But she also said, 
Did you know the confirmations were on this week? Cancelled. Confirmations are cancelled. Weddings. Cancelled. Probably for the best. Anya is actually one of the only kids in her class. She is the only the child in her class. She is the heathen. Is a, and she's only nine. And for the last two years, she has dug her heels in and said that she's an atheist, which it's a difficult road for young boys and girls in Irish Catholic run schools to tread. So hats off to her. My little Richard thing. Dawkins fan. So yeah, the church, that's another example where we can start changing things just to defend ourselves against the virus. Again, why God hasn't appeared. Maybe God is maybe God is punishing us for our repeal the eighth. Maybe he's punishing us for homosexuality. Maybe he's punishing us for all the things that the our, our good brethren in Christian fundamentalists and Islam uh, are all rubbing their hands. Look, that's an interesting with more point. Than hand sanitizer in glee. I know that's an interesting point, but God punished the gays in the eighties. Yeah. That's over now. Who's God punishing now? The elderly who are his yeah. flock. And yeah. look, if Donald Trump makes an absolute bollocks of things, heaven forbid. I'm not saying I wish that a huge amount of the older population die out, the boomers, but the people who are likely to vote for Sanders won't die. So there well, is no, that. Maybe God's, maybe, maybe God, because we all know the Lord works in mysterious ways and we have to just have faith. Maybe <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> Carry on. Maybe, maybe, maybe what God is doing is he's taking the people who follow him the most to heaven. Sean, you're going to be homeschooled next ahead week, of, right? Ahead of, no, he's, he's taking the elderly out of the equation going, yeah, you've been great. You've been spending every fucking waking moment praying to me. Right, I'm going to let you die quickly and then I'm going to come. And wait, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's going to be plagues of rats and mice and locusts and snakes and everything. And, and, and you know, the rest of us Maybe will. he's just going to wipe out the old god bothers. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, maybe. And... Looping it back to the original point of coronavirus. Now, we all know the best thing we can do is just to keep practice good hygiene and wash our hands. I have had a huge issue. I am not obsessed compulsive. I have high hygiene standards. I have long been dismayed to step out of pub bathrooms and you're, you're in the cubicle and you step out and you see two girls step out of different cubicles. So, you know, they weren't in their railing lines of coke together. They actually went to the loo. And they'd be dolled up to the nines and they'll look in the mirror and they'll, they'll fix their powder and the lippy, back comb the hair. But they'd be there for fucking ages. You hang around the hand dryer because they're just dying to know. And then they walk out and they don't wash their fucking hands, the dirty bitches. There's an awful lot of talk about hygiene now. People are saying, well, maybe up yourself to a daily shower. I saw that on many people's Facebook now. Upping yourself to a daily shower. Are people not washing daily? And then, of course, you say that and people go, well, excuse me, some people have mental health issues. It's not... I'm fucking mental. I am mad as a shopping trolley full of seagulls. I have everything wrong with me. Do you know what I do? I fucking wash myself at least twice a day. At fucking least twice I've a day. I've had discussions in the last year with members of my own family who scoffed at my daily washing regimen. You are very hygienic. I know, but like, I, 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 they, they, they've lived in Ireland all this time and they go, no, I just have a shower once or twice a week. I'm going, what the fuck? You know, it's like... I don't know where that comes but, from, but maybe maybe Australia taught me one thing, and that was to have a shower. Scoff- but I think I showered regularly when I was living here back when I was growing up. But, but I don't know. Maybe people not. scoff at my excessive. Like I, I don't. I genuinely, I'm not obsessive compulsive. I perhaps I'm a little bit over the top of the hygiene. Sure, I always had hand sanitizers okay. everywhere. However, they do not. They do not do the job. You were that drinking washing. them, maybe though. There was that as well. No, no, I had other ones that I used to put put alcohol into when I was going to school. Uh, I did. I'm just saying. If you could all wash yourselves. Yeah. And I'm going to further that to your clothes. There are people who wash themselves and they don't wash their clothes off enough. 
if you're an adult, wash your clothes every fucking day. If you've been out in them all day, you know what? They may not stink. Good. They're not supposed to stink by the end of the day because by 7pm, I don't want people to be smelling BO off me. Just because if I take off a dress I've been wearing all day, maybe it doesn't smell. I'm not putting it back in the wardrobe and taking it out a week later because it's not fresh. If you can't smell your washing detergent off it, put it in the fucking wash. Yeah, and we're not and we're not allowed to shake hands. But one of the things I thought we could do is we could just sniff each other's crook of the arm. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the new welcoming thing. No handshakes. I just nuzzle up to where you. Well, the, everyone's coffee. everyone's now practicing sneezing into their arm. Great, good stuff. Take off your jumper and throw it in the wash. And you know what? Sixty degrees as well. So look, there's a there's a likelihood that by the time the next podcast comes along in two weeks, one of us might have it. One of us might know someone who has it. I don't know where this is going. So it's kind of a it, it's been a very weird and interesting couple of weeks, especially the pace. I mean, there's all, there's a, a little part of me that goes because we're so inured now to conspiracy theories. You know, is it some kind of global attempt to reset humanity? Quite and if it isn't, it should be. Yeah, I mean, like it's a bit tinfoil hat, but I'm willing to entertain the possibility and go. Whilst I'm not celebrating this, and yes, I'm going to go start raving mad in the house. The upside is I don't have to deal with anybody at the school gates. Don't like that shit. My children will be much better educated. And I have been preparing for this my entire life. Social isolation. Fucking excellent. (laughs) Um, Do you mean I'm going to have to read books and not see people? And I can chat to people online, but I can also get offline. Like, I'm well used to this. I make my little social interactions online because I don't fucking want to see people all the time. So I feel like I've talked to people, but I don't have to actually interact with people. This is fucking brilliant. Chicken nuggets and wine. Yeah. Presumably, your children. Cigarettes. Which puts me at high risk. Should they kill you? Still a coronavirus. Sure, here we are. But I'm loving it. I have been preparing this for this my entire life. It's fantastic. And you know, when they were trying to get us to take it seriously a week or two ago, they're going, only 2% mortality. Well, you know what? We all know 100 people. Can you pick which two people you'd like to die? Am I fucking... Get me a flow chart so I pick which ones I want to live. I can't figure it out. I mean, I'm going to have to do pros and cons. Which one will I choose of the of a hundred people I know? Which two? Only two. Will I pass muster. I'll keep you. Yeah. The, the whole idea of this sort of um, the nefarious. Imagine if they said reports coming in today from Virginia in America that traces of coronavirus have been found in cigarettes. We're not sure, but it seems to be all the people in Virginia who are smokers are catching it, and it's been traced back to the tobacco plants across the world. And everyone would just stop smoking. They'd go, fuck that. They wouldn't, though. No, they would, because they, they, they... My point is that even though they know smoking is going to kill them at some indeterminate point in the future, they all still... We all still... We're sitting here having a cigarette while we're talking this. Think that, yeah, it'll be me, I'll be fine. Or, yeah, it will be me, because I don't want to be old, or whatever. We've got all these this sort of yeah. cognitive dissonance. But if it was like the coronavirus is in a cigarette, like, oh, you wouldn't be cool. Oh, and if you exhale it, you, not only will you give them secondhand lung cancer, you give them that secondhand coronavirus. So they'd have to oh, have like smoking 19. lounges. They'd be like TB sanatoriums. They'd be smoking sanatoriums. Yeah. Which is essentially And then the other thing, I, I, which I wrote a, a tweet about, which is, Kofevavev. Kofevavev. Fuck the Simpsons. Donald Trump knows know. it all. So Donald Trump, remember uh, those of you listening, about two, a year into his presidency, drunk, eating cheeseburgers one night, just sent a tweet out. And, uh, he probably fell asleep while writing it. And he, he wrote, Co-fe-fe-fe. C-O-V-E-F-F-E. And it's COVID. COVID-19. Oh, make yeah. sure hands are clean. Uh. 
Now, uh, the, this preamble, of course, uh, is uh, the introduction to the next uh, in the Don's top 20 countdown. We're up to number 16. This is the top 20 that the Don has picked from the 144 previous episodes of Pint with Shawnee B. She also prepares three questions for me to see if I can remember the fuck who I was talking to. So what's tonight's first question? So your first hint, this person said, any parent should encourage art and understand how precious it is to development. Julie Spear? No. Uh, okay, next question. Okay. I've never got a first go. That's, I'm determined well, that's to get That's the idea. I'd be, I'd be sitting here like a dickhead if you did. So when it comes to art, and when, when knowing let to get, when to let go of it and release a piece, when you're most passionate about it, that's the time. If you overthink it, it can be damaging for the work. Um, yes, I was asking this person, do you know, when is the right time to stop? Yes, painting? that is exactly how. Pete? Nope. All right, go on. Okay. And your final hint was, when someone compliments this person, they're flattered and happy, but also immediately assume that the person that complimented them is wrong and doesn't know what they're talking about. Now, criticism, this person tends to agree with because they already thought of it. Hmm. That resonated with me, so. Um, wow, yeah, this is familiar. Is it a woman? It is. Hmm. It's not Annie. I've never not got it. Okay, this is a particularly difficult one, and I'm going to give you this extra hint as a bonus hint because these particular quotes are not direct quotes because this person, English is not their first language. Oh. Right, that's pretty much handing it to me on a plate and I still am drawing a blank. Hang on a second. Ah, the Bosnian uh, artist Shayla Kamrich. Yes. Yeah, that was an amazing interview. That was an interview that I gave. I, I, I was in Bosnia visiting my... I have a, I have a um, godson, Liam. Hello, Liam, if you're listening. And I was visiting him in Bosnia and I picked up about four or five really interesting interviews, uh, which I dotted across the series and some of my favorite interviews. Um, and it was just, a, it was a weird quirk. But Shayla was this uh, fearless artist who, who as, as most of the people in Bosnia were, they had this, the, the, you know, there's a, people who were in film or advertising or music and they had this, they, had this, they all had this unique kind of fuck you to the system and the, the world wasn't paying attention while they were being corralled in Sarajevo by the Serb forces during the Bosnian War and the atrocities were going unnoticed and the UN were playing a terrible uh, role and, and Shayla did this amazing Bosnian girl piece of art and she's she was impenetrable uh, as, a, as a you probably won't hear that but I found it very hard to find the real I get that and maybe that's partially because I know you so well the mood I'm in with the past 24 hours we've had mm. with coronavirus and I'm not I'm not comparing the two but that end of the world feel and, and the panic and the fear I thought of how people have such little compassion for refugees and migrants and what it's like to really be in fear and to panic and I thought like people are running out to buy fucking toilet roll and shit like that and yet the same people in a couple of weeks' time will have no compassion for people putting kids on boats. And it made me think of, we went to see For Sama, which is a fantastic film about the Syrian yeah. situation. So I, I thought of this interview, and like I listened back, and I remembered why it had made the list. 
I, I found her very gentle. Yeah. Talking about difficult topic topics, but she has this just gentleness about her. And I liked her talking about how developing artistic talents is important for creative thinking. So even if you end up in science, this, this fighting for it's so important to art is necessary and not discouraged from art. And I liked when she talked about 18-year-old boys defending what they don't understand and that they're babies and this this need to understand, which I think comes from if you've if you if, if you're an intelligent person and if you care about the world and you're a deep thinking person and it's 20, 30 years on, you're thinking how how do we understand what's happened? Setting anger aside, and I think that's a really special and important thing to witness. But in talking about what she was like as a kid and her internal experience as a person, that kind of resonated with me quite a bit. And she said that she was almost autistic and you know maybe she would probably consider that now. And she talked about herself as a child and it reminded me a lot of myself. And that's kind of at the forefront for me. I've got a lot of stuff going on at the moment with my own kids and with me and that. So I found that interesting that that cropped up but it was just, it was the right tone for me today. And I really loved the interview. So I wanted to bump that one up to this week's one. Excellent. Um, the wonderful Shayla Kamerich, uh kind, talented, but wary. I was very nervous doing this interview. Um, and I'd just like to thank you again, Shayla, for giving me the time. So without further ado. Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shawnee B. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Keep sharing and tweeting it for me, please. I have an amazing, I'm privileged to have an amazing guest on my show today. One of the foremost European artists of the time. A, a visual artist by the name of Shayla Kamerich. Did I get your surname right? Yes. I did. Shayla is uh, living in Sarajevo and she's kindly invited me to her home today for this interview. We're sitting here not having a pint we're having bisca which is a, a grappa made from plants from where Isteria. Istria Istria and uh, I haven't had some yet so we clink glasses maybe to there we go I haven't tasted this yet mmm herby yeah, sweet sweet Shayla is very controversial would that be fair to say I don't think of myself as con- controversial you don't do it on purpose no, not at all. <laughs> but she has some uh, amazing uh, pieces that have caused some controversy. Where can we see your work? Anyone who's listening to the podcast might want to look first before hearing your story. There is many things on my website, the Facebook page, many other uh, galleries and museums where I exhibit mm. have images of my works. So Shayla is born and bred in Sarajevo? Yes, most of the time. <laughs> I was living in Dubai for a few oh, years when Dubai. I was a kid. My father spot. used to work there. You, what was it like for you growing up here? I was very happy in my uh, world. I was very much into art as a young, young right. teenager. I wanted uh, only to, to do art, so I went to an art, art high school. Right. Before that, I was... Uh, almost autistic. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, probably they would say nowadays that I would was autistic in a, in a sense that I really didn't like to communicate verbally. I, I was really 
completely obsessed with drawing and, and, and didn't like going out with the, playing with the kids. So, okay. But I was very happy. Did people spot that you were gifted when you were young? Yeah, they, I was encouraged to, to, to do it because that was basically the only way how I communicate with the, with the rest of the world. Were you very introverted? Yes. Okay, yeah. so art was your world. <laughs> The so you know any anybody who I've spoken to from this part of the world the whole life particularly of our generation I think we're a similar generation tends to be you know there's a pre-war and a post-war the war came here what was it like for you during the war? Horrible, but it was life. So you learn very fast to uh, accept what's happening around you. Uh, with the gratitude that you are still alive, alive yeah. and that you have every moment as a precious one and, and to, to, to enjoy as much as you can. So it was a, a mix of horrible, tragic things with, uh, with some beautiful... Were you angry? Not so much at the beginning... I was more, um, I was deeply sad. I couldn't understand what's happening and I was just crying because I was... And there is one thing, when the war started, I cried because the buildings were being destroyed and mm. then my father told me, don't cry over buildings. That's something we can repair. Only lives are important. And, and of, of course, that's just, I was a teenager, so I was... I understood that very, very, uh, very fast, and, and and then I started losing close friends, neighbors, family members, mm-hmm. and I experienced that uh, that side of how it, how does it really feel when, mm-hmm. when something big, big part of your life is being destroyed. Was your art still part of your life then, or were you, did you have to just be, go back to basics and survival, or were you still able I, to do I some? I actually made a work called Basics, which which was a direct answer to your question. I I was uh, at the beginning. I thought you know that the art is escape for everything, mm. and then then when you you are in a position where you have a lack of food and water and electricity everything you you start to understand that you really have to have basics so you can create art so uh, i think that, that that's where the big transformation in, in, in for me happened when when i i opened up to the rest of the world and, 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 and understood that I can't rely on, on art. I have to rely on myself. I, I, actually, I stopped thinking uh, so much about art and, and doing it. I finished high school. I went to Academy of Fine Art and I slowly went into the direction of, of uh, graphic design. Yes. But I, I considered it more as an escape, uh, in, a, in, in a practical escape. I was doing my job I was working you were fitting in yeah it was was, I didn't thought of it as an art was that uncomfortable for you trying to go down that road because presumably that leads to a job and then you're a graphic designer rather than an artist right yeah but but I I was very lucky to to get before I graduated this art 
high school during the war I met a group of designers called Trio and they were really the most famous designer group in ex-Yugoslavia and they I've heard of them yeah, yeah they did all these uh, record covers for the, the biggest uh, Yugoslavian bands and, and also the, some great posters so I met them and I started working with, with them, mm-hmm. uh, learning at first, uh, uh, and then you know helping out, and then slowly uh, they gave me more and more responsibilities. So so very soon I I, I became uh, uh, equal. Thanks to them, I didn't consider it as a as a as a job. It was fun, mm. but still I knew that it's. You know, not exactly what you wanted. What I wanted to do. One of the things when I came, I, this is my fourth visit to Sarajevo, and when I first came, maybe two thousand three or four, I'd never been before. And one of the thing, it was winter time, it was snow, and uh, you know, I had my own vague, typical European, not very conscious and not very involved in understanding what was going on. I've I've since learned an awful lot more about what happened here. My first reaction was that there's there seemed to be a bullet in every building. And going back to what your father said about don't don't fret over buildings being hurt, damaged. But you did a lovely piece I saw pre- pre- preparing for this interview, which was the bullets by your bedside, by your by your bedroom wall. And I, I found that I found that quite as if that was the brief. Every building has a sort of a shrapnel wound or a bullet through it. And you had this beautiful piece which just was. 12 bullets but they were where you, you said that was where your head was on the other side of that wall that was very poignant for me that sort of work when you were doing it did you, did you, were, you were you was it personal or were you trying to make political points or how, how tell me what your mind was thinking when you were making that sort of stuff for me it always starts very personal mm. it has to I think that uh, any other way would be wrong because it wouldn't be true to yourself, and yeah. uh, and how can you communicate to others and and tell them what to uh, what to feel or, or or try to 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 lead them into one way of thinking if you don't really go deep in your side yourself in mm-hmm. your emotion and really see what that means to you and so. With every other work, even those who who are considered very very political, they I just needed to 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 tell what's on my mind and in my soul. Mm. Is photography now your primary medium, or do you do all sorts of of do you paint and all that as well? Or? I don't do paintings, but I do everything else. It seems like uh, I did uh, many film works, mm-hmm. uh, including a, a sh- short fiction films yeah. one of them uh, was shown in Venice Film Festival right. uh, last year I also had a, f- f- a film in Rotterdam Film Festival so so film was also an uh, important part of my my practice but I, I do also type of works which I call needlework so I do use a lot of knitting really? and, and also the fabrics and, and sewing so so it's different kind of works. how did you move then from trio into sort of becoming was there a time in your life when you said okay this is it I'm now going to be a visual artist or was there or did it just happen like was there a time when you had to make a decision 
Yes, there was a particular moment. Actually, they went into advertising. Yeah, Fabrica, f- right? Yes, yes, and I followed. And very young, I ended up being an art director in, in the advertising agency. But you hated that. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I didn't know how much I hated it at the time. I yeah. was just, you know, being practical, I guess, and, and just working and, and being passionate about what, yes, what yeah. I'm doing but I knew that that's somehow not really uh, uh, that the, I, I felt how much it clashed with, with me as a person and, and, and everything that I believed in so in 2000 I was invited to participate in Manifesta which is European Biennial of Contemporary Art and I had a, a installation which was very uh, successful, public installation called EU Others. And after that, somehow it, it all started, you know, I got a lot of press coverage uh, the, from New York Times from, to Art in America. They, they, they mentioned my work and so I got lots of inter- invitation to do shows. So then I quit advertising and I dedicated you said to, this is to it. Art. I said this, this is it and if I have to do it for money I'll do it as long as it takes to and luckily I didn't have to do it for a long time mm. so you know I was a freelancer maybe a next year or two and after that I could a lot of my, my sort of modern artists visual artists friends say it's very very difficult to make money from from it because so much of it is conceptual and it's hard like a lot of it is I I don't really think it's hard to live from art I think it's very easy to live from art why do you say that? simply because we do what we like right and um, suffering is part of our personality rather than a than a choice of job so you know it's it just it's a need to do. Uh-huh. So. Um, what if someone said, "Well, we need money to live." Of course, but you, everybody needs money to to live. So it's just a question to work harder. Mm. And and there are compromises. Artists are more lucky, so they don't have to compromise that much. But. On the other way, you never know when it happens. You know, if if the success is really good for you, or it mm. just push you in a wrong direction. And does does success cause you to become? Does it inflate egos or anything with you, or does it make you kind of think? I always doubt myself. <laughs> yeah, I think I do too. I think that's so. So when when somebody flatters me and 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 when when I get a lot of uh, attention, it's it's good. But in the same time, I think there is something wrong. <laughs> it, it has to be something wrong with this, you know. Or or they they don't know what they are talking. This is this is not good. And what about criticism? Criticism is usually I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I I, they, I can never hear uh, uh, something bad because I already thought of it for sure. <laughs> there, there's another thing about art which I mean I I don't paint or I, you know I, I, I write I've written plays and, and I do some movies as well but there's this time of 
I find it's hard when to let go of it, when to actually stop dicking around with it, you know, like particularly if it's something written, um, and, and then just say, okay, that's, this is finished. I think maybe because of my background is in advertising, and we tend to always be asking for approval from a paying client. Is this, is this right? And the client eventually goes, yes, that's right. Yeah, but that's the moment in art when you feel the most passion about it, you know, like you yeah. know that you have to, to let it go, you know, like yeah. you have to show it to someone. And, and when you are so happy about it, you know, like somehow it's when you overthink it it can be damaging yeah. for, for the work, or or it means that it's something re- seriously wrong with it yeah. because it's it doesn't. Well, I found translate. that I found I had to sort of go because everyone has an opinion. If you send it out to people who exactly, and then you if you took everyone's opinion, you'd have no. You have to make no. I've, I'm deliberately doing it this way, and sorry, thanks for your advice, but you know, it's like it's kind of hard to sort of. And also, I, for me, creating. Art is all about what I want to leave behind. Images, objects, what should remain after me. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and first, it has to be important for you. It has to have a huge part of yourself in it. You yeah. know? Otherwise, if you just start doing something which is so, you know, like easy and you, 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 you would love to sell it and I mean sell it in a sense that you'd never see it again. Right. Then it's um then then it's not so good. And and obviously when it's great when you when you have a chance to sell your work. Um and uh, luckily, the art world, uh, commercial art world, fu- function in this weird editions, uh, so you can always make edition for yourself. But, <laughs> but it's more about this symbolic way of giving it and never seeing it again. Uh, um, so one of your other famous pieces, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, sure you've talked about it a lot, is Bosnian Girl. Tell me a little bit about about that piece, and I'll put a link to it on the on the on the website for people who want to see it. In two thousand and three, friend of mine Tarik Samarach, who is a photographer, went to Srebrenica, one of the places where genocide in Bosnia and Herzegovina happened, and um, he went into a former factory which was used as an army barracks for UN soldiers during the siege of Srebrenica when forces were responsible for keeping the peace uh, and protecting Srebrenica safe zone actually he was the first one who entered after the the, the war and after the the atrocities uh, in Srebrenica and, and surrounding happened and that site was also used to gather um, Muslim men and boys and as an execution site as well. So he found a lot of graffitis and remains from the UN soldiers and um, he brought these photos back and showed it to me and and I guess he was also very much touched by 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 the messages that he that that we read on these graffitis, and they were really controversial. Many uh, violent comments, and and, and 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 you see how these young boys were 
confused and, and, and pressured. And one of them was Bosnian girl graffiti. It's kind of a, a untasteful joke about Bosnian girls mm-hmm. saying no teeth, uh, has mustaches, smells like shit, question marks, Bosnian girl. And How did you know that these were Dutch soldiers who wrote this rather than Serbs or something from before? Uh, they were assigned right. graffiti. Oh, they were assigned? Yeah, the, That's not very were, good yeah. idea. Here. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and also um, there is a special iconography that certain right, soldiers the right, right. Would use. Yeah. use not only letters which would be in Cyrillic, yeah. but s- still you know it yeah. it was very different and they were in the bedrooms of, of okay, where yeah. the soldiers were sleeping, and I said they were like signed and also the, together with the other mugs. Uh, and signatures of the brigade and uh, etc. Of course, the Dutch hadn't really covered themselves in any glory in Srebrenica anyway, because they kind of stood by and opened the gates, and they were the ones who kind of were the last it's, stand it, I mean, between the Serbs and yeah, the, they, yeah. It, it just <clears throat> that I think really epitomized how conflict in Bosnia and Herzegovina or how war, I wouldn't say conflict is quite a soft word, mm. how the war in Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, happened. You know, you you have two sides, but you also have a third side which is in power, mm. and which is kind of moderating. And supposed to be looking so, after things. Yeah. So the third side is the active side. It's, yeah, it's, it's not passive. It's yeah. not passive. And even if, if you want to act passive, it is a clear message. Mm. And you take side yeah. by saying nothing or yeah. or doing nothing yes. or not doing enough, etc. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think that the, the in history we will hopefully learn about uh, how international community actually didn't do anything to prevent mm-hmm. uh, atrocities and genocide because I'm talking here about civilians and, 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 and victims and, yeah. and not about the polit- political decisions because yes. that's always something that can can be negotiated yes. but here um, how to stop war for years after is Repeating. difficult mm. You know, or how to stop the war now in Syria. It's mm. very difficult. But when the war starts, there is a point where someone can intervene and, 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 and make it stop. Then then you prevent all these civilian victims. Mm. And when you just let it go for years and years, then, then it's uh, impossible. Mm. That was characterized by yeah. the war here. So you took this piece of graffiti. And I... Literally place it on myself. I, I uh, Tarek did a, a, a portrait of me, and I, I made a poster mm. out of it. So those of you who link to the poster will see uh, Shayla is uh, a very very beautiful Bosnian girl, and so she had this uh, beauty with this pretty, pretty disgusting sort of uh, text over her over her face. And so tell me how that was received when you launched it. This work really talks about the, the prejudice in general. Mm-hmm. So we are all victims, and, 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 and we, but in the same time, so we are the ones who, who keep violating others with our own prejudice. Yeah. And, and it's not about 
if someone smells or not or how how someone looks it's it's about understanding the wider context and and being careful when you judge why did you decide to put yourself in the picture it it could only be me okay i had to be again a victim i have right. to be again the one who who takes all the blame right or takes all the pain yeah. as well so what was the reception to it when you first launched that piece? We decided to go with this uh, this poster, and, and so we did like a small campaign yeah. to to use the, this advertising term. So we we started in Sarajevo on the anniversary of fall of Srebrenica in two thousand and three. We did it. Uh, so on that day, the the posters were all over the city, and also we did a kind of poster campaign in the rest of the the Bosnia. That would have been probably the most in-your-face kind of poster that's ever gone up on the streets of Sarajevo, right? It was shock. Yeah, and people you know, stopped and asked what this is. Is yeah. it for real? Yeah, and it was one of. And also, I'd say people didn't get it. A lot of people Absolutely, t- thought it was real or something. Yeah, but that was the beauty of it. Yes, that of course. was the moment where you need to stop and think. Yes. Same as the message of yes. the work. Like you need to yes. stop really and think because before you say something and before you even think of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but very soon, it just shifted, and and somehow those who who should be most offended, which would be a mm. woman from Srebrenica, they took it as their own Great. image. Yeah. Which is and what you intended. Yeah. Which which was my intention, yeah. And um, there are many, many interesting stories about how, how, you know, like, uh, the for, for example, the U.S. Embassy in Sarajevo ordered um, their... St- their uh, that the posters of the Boston girl b- would be removed from the whole... Surrounding area, surrounding area, really? the, because they didn't know what what they how to position a, themselves. Yes. Later, of course, it was uh, well, everything was fine, but at the beginning, they really didn't know what. And 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 one great thing which I'm very proud of is that the internal investigation about uh, graffiti in UN was was um, instigated. instigated. Really, was it? Not because somebody needs to be punished and point out. It is. It, it. It also. I think that this graffiti really shows that you can't really, uh, as a as a big authority, mm. put eighteen year old boy to go somewhere far from home yeah. to defend something that he yeah. doesn't understand. Because you're right. That's so not a that's mature wrong. person writing that. And this it's is a baby. The, yeah, exactly. And this. This work really tells that story, I you know. Agree. It is anti-war poster, yeah. which 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 um, talks directly about Srebrenica. But I think that the message is so universal that even people who never heard about Bosnia or Srebrenica yeah. can relate to. What do you feel the role of art is in that regard, and and, and your part that you're playing in it in terms of changing people's behavior and the way people think? As I mentioned, art is a great escape, and um, and but it's also a great corrective. It 
the art is more trustful as a as a historical evidence than 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 many words. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a reason why a systems which tries to control us humans as a puppets as yes. as a, as a obedient uh, yeah. uh, t- try to take the art and culture from us. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. so I think that 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 any parent should should always encourage. Kids to do art and should mm. always uh, understand how that is precious for for any healthy development. Yes, yeah, I agree. So because um, a lot of schooling teaches kids to be the same, yeah, uh, and, encourages and, and them and to they, be similar, and, and also it's it's so wrong. Uh, I think that that's also the first step that you can correct in your own mindset to say like, oh, is it difficult to to live from art? No. Yes, we do art. I agree. You know, I we, agree. It's it's it, it's never it, it, we shouldn't discourage ourselves. Yes, and others yeah. to do it because that's and it doesn't take much. You can mm. you know it, it, nobody ever said that you have to uh, be only artist and not work as a gardener yeah. at the same or time. Be the and most the, famous and the gardener yeah. is not also an artist, etc., mm. etc. Et Even if you do a science, mm. it's so much connected to the art and the way how you how you openly think of a new possibilities and how creative you are in figuring out the ways how things were not done before so yes. so have you ever had an idea that you've self-censored that you've gone this is too far i can't do this i had that with the with one of uh, um, one of my films i thought for years that I can't do it. What was the What was the idea? It was It was based on a on a um, on a war story or event which was crucial f- for me. Um, loss of my father. I had an idea in, during the war that I would love to do a film or work which I would keep on walking this same path which he did during the war and, and, and passing the point where he was shot and, and and for years and years I couldn't and I and I kind of censored myself because I knew I was too emotional to do it and then in one point of my life uh, um, I went back to it and I did it with a with a with a colleague of artist colleague artist who who was uh, distant enough from the subject, so I, I had someone to. Um, was it very difficult to do that? It was. It was extremely. What difficult. is the name of the piece? Uh, One thousand three hundred ninety-five days without red. And then, with that piece, when you finished it, was there any catharsis with you on that? That you closed a chapter, or was it waiting to come out, or do you? Yes. Yes. I think with with each work, I it's another milestone. Really? Okay. Okay. Uh, and um, do you find the people of Sarajevo? Do you find you've become a kind of a champion for them in in a, in a little way in terms of the fact that there is somebody presenting them with challenging, emotion, evocative 
pieces that are related to the craziness that went on back then, still today, that it's important that we never forget? I can't say that for myself. I don't know what mm. others think, but I know for sure that my works will remain as a historical evidence of what was going on and what just an ordinary citizens, girls, uh, Bosnian girls, Bosnian women, yeah. Bosnians had to go through. And, 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 and they are very personal, but I think that, that that's where everyone can relate to and that that's where uh, audience which don't have the experience of the war can can understand because it comes from simple emotions that we all share mm. uh, what about the um the future then what where do you see your your career going do you feel that you do you move like the wind or do you have a, a set course plan do you think for now, I'm enjoying um, kind of a small break. It's not really that I took a sabbatical or something like that, but but I enjoy uh, thinking about what I did because last year was so tense for me. I had, a, as I mentioned, film in Rotterdam. Then I had a huge, huge project in a welcome collection in London. So talk about that one as well. That was... Uh, Abuno Omnes, the project that I did for for uh, three years and and showed it in in in, in, uh, in the show that was entirely dedicated to, to forensic medicine, but but with uh, many art pieces and uh, I was commissioned to do a project. Obviously, I'm I had to deal with Bosnian past because mm-hmm. Bosnian is Bosnia is also the the biggest forensic case uh, in history so far and um, that was challenging mm. in, in every sense I, um, I I went to the mortuaries uh, execution sites uh, mass uh, graves uh, I talked to so many survivors, went to the court in Den Haag, uh, listened to testimonies, uh, all the images, all the bodies that I, remains that I saw in last, in these two years, was really like uh, going through the war again. Yeah. Uh, And I I had a a crazy energy to 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 work on it I couldn't stop it was it, it was really uh, you're exercising it out of you yeah, yeah the and, and and somehow the nature of the project is a live thing it, it keeps on growing mm. so I imagine this work as a as a, a live monument built out of data so the part of it function as a website or as open data server and the part of it is is a is a physical uh, piece installation uh, which is a mortuary fridge and uh, uh, um, this database from this database it screened the short video clips and i did um, uh, a starting fo- point was 32000 uh, video clips which translates to more than 80 hours of the viewing wow. materials and so each clip 
is between 5 and 15 seconds and they are screened randomly yeah. so you can never see the same thing and the, the this is not stock footage this is you filmed it yes wow okay everything and and but and now it grows we showed it uh, in istanbul now uh, and hopefully um, uh, next year it will come to bosnia it 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 still grows and i and and uh, I had also last year many other group and, and solo shows, so I've really had to take time, uh, out. time out. And I also had a baby. Oh, so, congratulations. So <laughs> it kind of came... Uh, Do you find that the world outside of your home country treats you better than the people in your own country? Do you find uh, One of the things that happens in Ireland, I don't know whether it happens here, is this thing called tall poppy thing, that people mm-hmm. who become... Famous people like to go, oh, they're not that, you know. You too suffered it for many years, but I think eventually everyone had to say, no, they're pretty good. But they have this thing, it's an Australian term, tall poppy, do you, where, where actually a lot of artists, um, particularly artists, have to leave, even back to James Joyce and people like that, and Oscar Wilde, a lot of people had to leave their home country to, to, to find a more tolerant yeah, that's reception. That's an interesting term, I haven't heard of it before. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah that that's kind of a natural way mm. of things mm. but i i would say that here it's more because bosnia is in such a mess mm. as a country like we we are really so poor and messy place yeah. and and you know when i talk to friends from croatia they t- say like no but it's horrible also here and then i go to paris or 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 Germany or whatever and they say like no but here is horrible oh, yeah. we have a horrible politicians and blah 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 and then I, I really I don't have anything to say because I can't even start telling them how bad that it is, is. they yeah. couldn't even comprehend what yeah. does it mean to have 70% of unemployment yeah. in the country yeah. Yeah. which we are the most one of the most corrupted poorest countries yeah. which is com- still uh, divided by the war, yeah. we just don't have weapons, so it's not, it's peace. But mm. people are still fighting in their own heads, and yeah. and, and, and uh, so much tra- trauma. Like we still have nine nine thousand uh, uh, missing people from yes. from the war. So it's it's such a such a. So given all of that, and you know, to me it feels it feels very like the start of the podcast where you were talking about yourself as a as a as a young girl coming to terms with this in a sort of introvert way that quite a lot of your work seems to be almost confronting a lot of the things that you were try, trying to make sense out of a lot of things that were just completely nonsensical to you what do you say to what do you say to that little girl now what do you, what, what or any little girl what have you learned in your life that you'd like to share with people coming after you I know you're still very young, by the way. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it's interesting that the, the the most simple things are most true things. It, these Explain are just that, like Explain really that. basic. Like we, the the world is horrible place, but we have to make most of it. Right. And the life is difficult, but you have to struggle. So you have the beautiful moments, and you right. leave something behind. And it's super simple, you know, because 
nobody you know ever uh, should sell the lie that the life is that we are living in heaven you know that this is a paradise I and agree. that all is good and everything good will happen no this is a jungle and we you know f- from always and always we will struggle to survive like every uh, human being every life thing you know it needs to struggle to to, mm. to to stay alive and to 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 grow to to mm. blossom so it, it's really about the energy that you find in yourself to keep on doing the right thing and and, and enjoying and, and trying really make the world a better place you know mm. it is so, so simple mm. and um do you have any yeah. optimism? I mean, are you optimistic about the future or pessimistic? <laughs> I'm actually very pessimistic, yeah, so. but in the same time, it, it, you know, like you have to be, uh, you have to be positive about it. You have to find a humor in it. You yeah, have to, that's what I was thinking. You have to make you, laugh yeah. and enjoy the you know, enjoy the I moment. Mean, let just look at ourselves and and look what's around us you know yeah. who would ever imagine that the donald trump will be a yeah. Yeah. nominee for yeah a, i know you know and, and he could be your next president but you know ridiculous again you know you'll do a nice version of donald trump i'm sure somewhere you'll come up with something <laughs> cool Okay, we leave it there. Shayla Karamurich, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out. I know you've been really busy and she made time to be on, on the show and I really, really appreciate that. So thanks for talking to me. Thank I'll link you. to some of your artworks and the best of luck in Berlin. I hope you have a great uh, exhibition. Thank you for coming to Sarajevo and talking to me. Uh, all the best. <laughs>